0: There is a word found in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. From this text, I want to speak to you on the title, let hope rise. Let hope rise. God, I pray that this would be your message, that ultimately you would be speaking And I would just be the vessel, the vehicle that you decided to use to say what you want to say to these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers. God, I desire to be obedient to your word. So please let it be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Let hope rise. Let me just get right to the big idea of this sermon, right to my thesis. Don't give up hope. I don't care what's going on in the neighborhood, what's going on in the city, what's going on in the state, what's going on in the nation, what is swirling around the entire planet. I don't care what's going on at your job, in your home, in your relationships, if your money is funny or not. Whatever is going on at school, where you shop, where you live, do not give up hope. The church should be a refuge, a sanctuary of abounding, empowering, transformative hope where there is no hope in brokenness in sin in systemic and institutional dysfunction the church must be a lighthouse of hope do not give up hope stay hopeful now this is easier said than done because there are there's a multitude of people who have thrown in the towel on hope why is this why do people give up Hope, here are some reasons. Some people give up hope because they're too tired. I'm tired. And in this state of being too tired, I give up. Some people give up hope because they're too discouraged. They're just so discouraged right now, the weight of the world is on them, that they have given up hope. Some people give up hope because they're too angry. I want to forgive. I want to get past it. But I just can't. And this sustained anger that I am in has caused me to give up hope. Some people give up hope because they're too hurt. They have not healed yet from the bruises. They may not be visible, but they are bruises in the soul, bruises on the mind. I have been abused, I have been done wrong too many times, and it seems like as soon as I get healed from the last bruise, the next bruise comes. And so, bruise after bruise has caused me to give up hope. Some people give up hope because they're too overwhelmed. My ideas, my degrees, my certifications, my expertise is not getting me through this. I'm too overwhelmed. I can't take it anymore. The weight is too much. I'm losing too much sleep. Look at what this is doing to me, the weight of the world. I'm too overwhelmed, so I give up. And some people give up because they've had too many experiences where it's over. So when people feel like it's over, they are ready to give up hope. You can't tell me. You can't tell me to be hopeful. My marriage is over. You can't tell me to to be hopeful. My relationship with my kids, it's over. You can't tell me to be hopeful. That job, it's over. Owning that house, it's over. That is over. How do you expect me to have hope? There are many reasons why people give up Hope. And when you have a multitude of hopeless people, hopelessness becomes systemic. It makes its way into institutions. It makes its way into the sectors of society, into government, into entertainment, into uh, uh education, into healthcare. It seems like all of the societal domains. There is this, this this infection of hopelessness. And so in the midst of systemic hopelessness, there are people that have just decided to live in a state of hopelessness. And they have low hope and low expectations. This is their life. Ah, but if you thought that was bad, there's another group of people that actually profit from hopelessness. Their business is making money. They can sell a lot of books. They can get a celebrity platform as long as people stay hopeless. Hopeless is a business. Hopeless is a conglomerate. Hopeless is an economy. I can build celebrity status. I can get to millionaire status. And those people are high-headed and high-entitled. Oh, usually we talk about the next generation. We look at young people and say, they think they are entitled. Oh, there's already a large mass of people that feel they are entitled to build wealth and sustain power on the backs of the hopeless. The church must rise in the midst of this. The church must not give in to these systems The church must not be prostituted uh, from these systems. The church must rise up and be a lighthouse of hope, a movement, a force of hope in a hopeless world. To do this, to be this kind of church, to be this type of people, you may need your expectations re-engineered. Some people uh, live in hopelessness or they have uh, been taken over by hopelessness because their expectations are, are mainly rooted in institutions and in individuals. So let me help you. If you feel like hopelessness is tapping you on the shoulder, And if you feel right now you are not interested in communing with hope, it could be because of your expectations. I'm talking to the people that are like, I'm not talking to hope. I don't want to deal with hope. I don't want hope to text me. I want hope to email me. I don't want to be friends with hope. No, I'm done with hope. If you're done with hope, maybe it's because of expectations that need to be reengineered. Some people lose hope because they had expectations of individuals and institutions. And this is not really bad. I mean, it is right to have an expectation of who your father should be in your life, who your mother should be in your life, who your siblings should be in your life, Uh, what you should get from customer service, what you should get from your neighbors, what you should get from those in public service. But what happens is there are masses of people that have lost hope because they put their expectations in individuals. I expected you to love me a certain way. I expected you to keep your promises. I expected your yes to be yes and your no to be no. And when that failed, I lost hope. There were institutions that I thought were going to serve my kids well. There were institutions that I thought they were going to really mean what they said when they offered me that job. I thought everything in the offer letter was going to come to pass. And when the institutions failed me, I lost hope. Could it be that the United States is in a state of hopelessness because we had the wrong expectations upon individuals and institutions. (laughs) So what God wants to do, I think when Jesus came to earth, he was trying to re-engineer people's expectations. Instead of expecting what institutions and individuals would do for you, it would be to have expectations of what God would do through you. This is what Jesus was doing when he was calling a band together. Of, of of just you know despots and and rebels and 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 prostitutes and 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 Samaritans and and people that had been divorced and people that had been abused and people that were paralyzed and people that were blind and people that had evil spirits flown through their body. He was trying to say, instead of having your expectations set on the Roman Empire, instead of having your expectations set on the religious institutions and hierarchy, I want you to put your expectations in a carpenter, (laughs) in a Messiah, in a marginalized Jewish minority Messiah, God in flesh. Maybe instead of focusing on what institutions and individuals should have done for you, it's time to open up your life for what God will do through you in this city and beyond. Now that I'm past the introduction, I want to give you very quickly three three points. Three points. Three hope raising beliefs. That's what I want to present to you real quickly. Three hope raising beliefs. Let's go back to the Gospel of John chapter 5 verse 1. <clears throat> Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Here's the first hope. Raising belief. Believe that God has better days ahead. If you want hope to rise in you, you've got to believe that there, there are better days ahead. God has better days ahead of you. But let's put ourselves for a moment in the life of this invalid, this no name person, poor, homeless, laying on a mat. See, the reason he's laying there is because the thought was that every once in a while, an angel would come from heaven and the angel would descend upon the water, stir it. And while the water is stirring, then if you have an issue, you go into the water and you're healed, you're transformed. This guy has been lying on a mat with this condition for 38 years. And Jesus says to him, do you want to get well? Really? Really? Before you judge this guy, put yourself in his life for a moment. You're paralyzed. You're poor. The systems aren't working for you, year one. Year two, you still can't move. Year three, Nobody will take you to the healthcare services that you need. Year five, you still can't. Year 10, you still can't win. Year 20, your money's still funny. Year 30, everybody's doing you dirty. I don't know why I'm rhyming. I just... <laughs> it got on me. It got on me. Could you imagine being in the same broken, marginalized paralyzing condition for 38 years and somebody come to you and say, would you like to get well today? (laughs) Really? 38 years. And yet the answer, the solution, the empowerment was in front of him, not behind him. Jesus is standing there with him. Today is his day. If you want hope to rise up and sustain itself in your life, you have to believe that the better days are ahead of you, not behind you. This is why an ideology that calls people to point back to something and saying, if we could just get there, things would be great again. Things would be awesome again if we can just get something behind us. The Bible calls us to remember the past, not recreate it. Look, we should remember Exodus, but I don't want to be a slave in Egypt. We should remember Sodom and Gomorrah, but I don't want to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. Whenever people say, let's go back, I ask them, what year are you talking about? As an African-American, this is important to know. If we're talking about 1987, well, hey, 87, you know what? (laughs) Friends, how many of us have them? Friends, you know, I could go back to the 80s, maybe even 77. I could get some bell bottoms. But 47? No, no, no. 37? No. And don't bring up no (laughs) 1,600-something. The Bible calls us to press towards the goal. To go forward to love, forward to justice. There's an arc that bends towards eternity, that bends towards justice, that bends towards equality, that bends towards change. We remember the past. We don't recreate it. We press towards reconciliation. (laughs) Believe that God has better days ahead. Refuse to be held captive by your past or your present. Christ has a liberating future for you. So one, believe that God has better days ahead. Two, believe impossible possible things are possible. Let's go back to the text, verse 7 of John 5. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Believe impossible things are possible. Jesus comes and gives an impossible option when possible has failed. How do you get to impossible? Well, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge that on some level your life is on a mat of possible. Everybody in here has a mat. You may not be paralyzed, but you have a mat. Your marriage is on a mat, your single life is on a mat, your parenting's on a mat, your financial decisions are on a mat, your career is on a mat, your education is on a mat, your emotions are on a mat, your mindset is on a mat. And if you stay stuck on this mat, you are limited to the possibilities of what the mat represents. And so some people can't sustain hope. They have a Bible, they pray, they go to church, they sing songs, and they still can't sustain hope because they are too grounded on the possibilities of your limited mat. Jesus says, I have the answer. You have to get up off of possible and step into my impossible for your life. Get up. I'm waiting for somebody to pick me up. No, get up. I'm waiting for somebody to carry me. Get up. I'm waiting for somebody to loan me some money. Get up. I'm waiting for somebody to ask me on a date. Get up. I'm waiting for somebody to give me a raise. Get up off your mat. I'm I'm too, I'm too stuck on my possible ideas, my possible experiences, my possible politics, my possible. I I am preaching here before you because I am standing on the shoulders of people that got off the mat of possible and stepped into impossible. I'm here because a slave got up off the mat of the plantation and stepped into the impossible of Juneteenth. I'm here because somebody decided to step off the mat of the possible of Jim Crow segregation and to step into the impossible. I'm a product of a of a Methodist church that 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 was predominantly if not entirely white and and a youth pastor comes in with this crazy idea of connecting the kids in the community that are becoming more black and brown with the kids in the church that are mostly suburban and white. And all of a sudden, the impossible of uh, years later, a free health clinic and a free legal clinic and a thrift store and a tutoring program. Uh, the, the, the reason I called out Curtis Young is because he had the impossible vision that urban reconciliation could take place in the Twin Cities. The reason this city is what it is when God has its hand on it is because there's a remnant of men and women. I'm so glad that Cecilia Williams didn't stay on the mat of- of women can't preach, and she stepped into the impossible so that Rose Norman could be here, so that women could know I can preach on impossible faith. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Believe, impossible. I'm trying to get off this second point. I'm trying to get off this second point. But in boxing, a mat, if you're lying on it, represents defeat. And I wonder if God is calling you off the mat today because the devil is standing over your marriage, over your single life, hoping you stay on that mat, counting you out. One, two, three, but there's an angel in your corner saying, get up, Rocky. Rock, get up. Listen to the angel in your corner, not the devil counting you out believe impossible things are possible last point three hope raising beliefs believe that god has better days ahead believe impossible things are possible and finally believe faith is greater than fear believe faith is greater than fear i'm going to take faith and fear and i'm going to create a i think it's called an acrostic you take the first letters of the word and turn it into something. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to (laughs) juxtapose faith and fear. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to, we're not going to put the scripture on the screen, but I'm going to refer to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, the Israelites, people of God, are at war with the Philistines. And during this war, a giant from the Philistine army comes out, Goliath. Huge guy. He's like Shaquille O'Neal, Andre the Giant, and Thanos, (laughs) wrapped in one. He comes out here, and he says, If any one of your soldiers in the Israelite camp can come out here and defeat me, we will surrender to you. We will become your slaves. But if I defeat the person you send out here, then you will become our slaves. You will surrender to us. And this is where fear sets in. Let me talk to you about fear. Let's start with the F. Ah, they focused only on the problem. None of those soldiers from the Israelite army wanted to come out there and fight Goliath. They lay there like, look at that giant. You see that giant? Ooh, he big. (laughs) Some of us are paralyzed by fear because we can only see the problem. We can't see a solution. E, then we expect to be defeated. Oh, those, those soldiers from the Israelite army, they're like, we can't beat him. We can't beat him. Oh, I guess we're going to be slaves. I guess that's it. I guess we lose. I'm trembling. Some people expect to be defeated. And then that gets an attitude of self-protection. You start retreating. I just got to protect me and mine. Y'all can go out there if you want to, but I got kids at home. I only got two more years in this army, and I get my pension. Y'all go ahead. (laughs) Mm Mm-mm. Me no won't he. And then R, they ran from the problem. The Bible says some of the soldiers fled. Fear. Ah, but do you know there's more letters in faith than there is in fear? There's a young boy named David. He goes up to King Saul. He says, I will fight this giant. He said, I was watching sheep for my dad, and, 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 and a, a lion came and took one of the sheep. I went after it. I rescued the lamb, and when the lion turned on me, I killed the lion, and the same God that was with me with the lion will be with me when I go out here and whoop this musty giant. <laughs> so here is faith, F focused on God. Same God that was with me, with the lion, is going to be with me against Goliath. Two, anticipated God's help. That's the A. You're not in this fight alone. You're not navigating marriage alone. You're not navigating single life alone. You're not navigating your career alone. You, there is somebody standing with you at the pool. I, it, he insisted on being involved. He was like, let me go fight the giant. That's how you get past fear. You get involved. Uh, A few days ago, a man in a van ran, drove his van into a bus stop to bring serious harm to people that were standing there, were sitting there at the bus stop. Pastor Edrin and his staff were having a meeting. When they heard the crash and the screams, they ran to the scene. They insisted on being involved. That's who the hopeful church should be. Where there's brokenness, where there's oppression, where there's marginalization, where people are throwing stones at the woman caught in adultery, where there is racism and sexism, where they are crying out Me Too, where they are crying out Black Lives Matter, where they are crying out I have no hope. The church should not avoid those places. The church should insist on being involved where the brokenness is, where the anger is, where the protest is, where the oppression is. Go Be involved. This is your future, Sanctuary Covenant Church. You are not a country club for the religious. You are a revolution for the broken. (laughs) T, he took time to prepare. He went and got his stones, interesting weapons. He had a slingshot, and he went and got some stones. Our weapons are different from the weapons of of the power sources of this world. While they're throwing patriarchy, while they're throwing privilege, while they're throwing romanticizing America's past, we throw reconciliation and love and forgiveness and justice and truth and hospitality and generosity, loving kindness, These are the stones that take out giants in high places. And finally, he had an impact on everyone around him. Faith is greater than fear. As I come to my close, I want to go one last time to that scene at Bethesda. Here is the invalid, and here is Jesus. The invalid is thinking, the systems aren't working for me. I'm waiting on an angel from on high. I'm waiting on the water to stir. But what he would realize is when Jesus showed up by his side, he found one that superseded the system. Yeah, yeah. If you were lying there on a mat at the pool, you're waiting for an angel to come. He didn't know standing next to him was the one that had command over angels. He was waiting for the water to stir. But he didn't know that he had the one in the beginning who separated the waters that fall from the sky from the waters that are on the ground. He had the one that was the creator of the universe by his side. I came here to tell you, Pastor Edrin, if the church don't grow the way you want it to grow in the next four months, remember who's by your side. Hey, if the people after the honeymoon stage act like you're not their pastor, Remember who's on your side. Remember who's on your side and love your wife. Remember who's on your side and raise your kids. Remember who's on your side and pastor this church. Remember who's on your side and be a voice in North Minneapolis. Remember who's on your side and preach the word. I wish I had somebody on an organ right now. Oh, Edren, you got the Messiah on your side. You got the Prince of Peace on your side. You got Alpha and Omega on your side. Preach like it. Pray like it. Teach like it. Serve like it. Forgive like it. Good God Almighty, remember who's on your side.